Episode 17 of the podcast is with Johnny Wilson. Johnny's someone that we've followed for a long time and we've seen a lot of his work that he's put out and we really appreciate a lot of the work that he shares. He's a performance rehab coach in professional football and he's also going to be the speaker at our next network meeting which is just over a week away now on the 27th, uh, 22nd of February. Johnny talks about the middle ground between end-stage rehab and pitch performance as well as his approach to hamstring and ACL injuries. If you haven't done so already, please go and secure your place on our network meeting. It's available on Eventbrite and all of our social media channels. It's on the 22nd of February, 6 till 9pm at Notts County. And like I said, Johnny is the speaker on that, so you can come and meet him and hear him speak in more detail. We also, over the next few weeks, have got some really big announcements to put out to you guys. So keep an eye on the social media. Obviously, we'll announce it on the podcast too, but some really exciting things to bring and announce to you. Again, thank you for listening. Please share the show and enjoy the episode with Johnny. Welcome to episode 17 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Johnny Wilson. Johnny is a performance rehab coach in professional football. He's got loads of great experience. I'm, I'm really chuffed to have him on. Johnny, how's things? Really good, thank uh, thank you, and um, I'm very honoured and privileged to be on uh, your podcast. I think you guys do amazing work, and, and I genuinely mean that. Um, delighted to be part of the journey, and um, thank you so much for the invite. No, and likewise, Johnny, you put loads of great information out. You share a lot of the work you do, and that's obviously what we're about with football fitness. We want we want uh, practitioners to share what they do and you're certainly falling into that category. So I really appreciate everything that you put out and the work you share. Thank you very much. Very kind. So just kick us off, Johnny. Just go into your background and your previous experiences. Okay. Uh, well, I'm, I'm Irish uh, from County Cork. So I was born and raised there. Um, and then when I left school, I did a, a degree in sports science, which I didn't think at the time um, was going to help me as much as it has done over my career. Um, so I initially did a degree, a degree in sports science because I wasn't able to get into, um, I didn't have enough grades to become a physiotherapist. So I did a degree, undergrad degree in sports science, and then after that I did a, an undergrad degree in physiotherapy. and. Um, did a little bit of time in the NHS and so on and so forth and then moved into sport and then started kind of accessing my sports science degree a little bit more and a little bit more and I found it was kind of, um, it, it was uh, something that was kind of defining me from other physiotherapists. So I was, it was working out to my, my benefit. Um, did a few years practice, um, worked in clubs like Watford, Notts County, Scunthorpe, Chesterfield, worked in Australia and Ireland. Um, in the GA and rugby and um, during my time then I decided that I wanted to do some further education so I did a master's in sport and exercise medicine which was particularly helpful for me to kind of um, rethink about me as a person and why am I doing what I'm doing and, and you know also with regards to the research that I was reading to have more of a, a healthy criticism or cynicalism about it and kind of going well okay right um, that is what it says in the research but it's a very reductionist approach and um, I, I on the whole over the last 15 years, six, well 17 years I've had um, a group of 30 guys in front of me um, so I've had to be a doer. I also did a master's in um, advanced physiotherapy which helped on the clinical side. 
Uh, I've just finished writing a book um, with um, Stu Porter. He's up in Manchester. So we've written a comprehensive guide to um, physiology and uh, sports injury management. And we've had people from, so Chelsea have contributed to the book, Manchester United have contributed to the book, some um, predominant authors in the Southern Hemisphere and over in America as well. So um, Ian Gatt, who is um, uh, Anthony Joshua's physio, He's um, written a, a chapter on hand and wrist injuries in boxing. So that should get published um, later on this year, um, I hopefully around March, April time. And that's on the undergrad reading list of most of the universities in America, the UK, um, and in the Southern Hemisphere as well. And so I've uh, I've been very lucky. I've had a bit of a mixed, um, I've had, you know, I've, I've had that kind of variety of being in the NHS and then being in sport and part-time sport and then in full-time sport and then, you know, being able to continue my education. Um, I'm now consulting for a couple of clubs in America um, and one in the UK in particular, um, which I, I can't um, give the name out on that just right, <clears throat> right now, but one of my most exciting projects at the moment is um, I'm um, a sports scientist and performance coach for Beyond Pulse who are a wearable um, technology company um, over in America and they look at um, how wearable technology can improve um, a team's health and performance so I've been instrumental in the metrics the key metrics that we cover that we measure and um, it's mainly to do with kids so we look at um, active participation, so how active the kids are in a session, you know, are they just standing around in, in um, lines or squares, um, what was their heart rate response to, to training sessions, um, and was it appropriate, and, and is heart rate response an appropriate measure for kids, um, and then we look at distance and then the percentage of high speed running, so you get four metrics there, and it, and it literally comes to your phone, so I spent the, the majority of my career trying to um, Number one, find, find GPS units. Number two, trying to drag the information off the, the unit. And then number three, trying to decipher, well, what's important, what's not important, and then how do you present that to a manager? But um, with this wearable technology, it's all done for you at the, the click of a button. So um, really looking forward to that. I'm actually starting with Burton Albion tomorrow. Um, so those guys are taking on that wearable technology for their academy, for the, their full-time scholars. So that's going to be good. So that that's kind of it in a snapshot. And I'm off to Toronto on Friday um, to present at the um, National Association for um, Soccer Coaches um, in Canada. Um, so that's so looking forward to that. Amazing, Johnny. Amazing. So you got plenty of stuff on there, and, and like the guys can now hear that your experience is extremely valuable. So that I'm sure they'll be listening up now after all the things you experiences you've been through in your background. So that's amazing. I, I've obviously got loads of questions for you and, we, and we've not got loads of time so i want to just dive straight into one area that i'm particularly interested in i know you spoke about before so can you touch on whether you feel there's a, a middle ground missing between end stage rehab and performance on the pitch and obviously we're focusing more on football even though you've worked in different sports um well uh whether it's missing or not is is another question but there is definitely that that period um, however, I, I don't see it as the middle. I see it from, from almost day one. So once that player is injured, we're looking at performance strategies from that first 24 hours right to the time when they return to train or play. So that return to train or return to play stopwatch 
is started already. The moment they clutch their hamstring or the, the front of their knee, if they've had an, an ACL tear, you know, you are racing against the clock. So I don't even think there's room to be kind of um, pedestrian um, when it comes to those first couple of days because you're trying to employ strategies that are going to be um, efficacious, that are going to help engage the athlete right from the start. And I know I know it's a well-coined term at the moment, but using that as an opportunity to kind of go, okay, well, you know, what can we work on here? So a linear um, time frame doesn't really cut the mustard anymore. So rather than having a linear where you, you might work on range movement and then work on isometric strength and then work on true range strength and then go on to power, in fact, you know, you're looking at running performance, strength and power performance, lumbar pelvic hip stability, neuromuscular control, aerobic, anaerobic conditioning, their whole athletic profile right from day one. And you might use, you know, the watt bike as an aerobic stimulus or an anaerobic stimulus if it's appropriate. You might use the pool to start your running performance work on day two, <coughs> on day two. You might, you might use a crossover effect, so you might use a power stimulus on the non-injured um, side, but really um, that middle ground, I guess, starts from the moment they're injured to the moment they return to train. So we need to have more of a performance hat, in my humble opinion, um, when it comes to, to injuries in professional sport and, and, and elite sport. So it's a case of, you know, really working with the fitness coach or your sports scientist or your strength and conditioning coach and your physio and kind of going, well, actually, do you know what? These are just titles, but really what we need to do is, you know, make sure that we're looking at the demands of the sport. So whether it's soccer or rugby or whatever it is, and implementing a strategy that's going to not only help the player to tolerate those demands, but to dominate in their sport. Otherwise, um, as you can see, the high recurrence rates when it comes to hamstring injuries, and um, in particular, so um, there's a thirty, there's over a third of hamstring injuries will recur, and fifty percent of those recurrences will happen within the first thirty days. So we've really got to be kind of going. Do you know what? Can you stand behind your performance rehab? And look. Injuries, injuries occur and recurrences occur. So if you don't want that get injured and you don't want the recurrence of an injury, don't play. So what we're yeah, doing yeah, is that... reduce the risk. Yeah, definitely. Um, what I was going to ask you was, do you feel that approach has, has changed recently? Because you've just mentioned there that there used to be a very linear approach. And I, I suppose it was quite separate as well a few years ago where it was either you're in rehab or you're on the pitch and now there seems to be more of a cohesive model, more of a integrated model where you can work with other practitioners to get players back to full fitness. Do you think that's something that's changed recently? I'd say in the more progressive places, yeah, you still get that, you still get here people getting handed over. You know, you're getting handed over to the sports scientist or the fitness coach or the SNC. You know, you're on the field now, so I won't be seeing you. You know, so there is still that. Um, and then in, I guess, uh, people who are on their own, I guess, have got no choice, but they've got to be literally multimodal. They've got to kind of input everything right at the start for rehab um, efficacy. Um, bigger departments might go, do you know what, you'll stay with me for a week and then you'll move on to, we'll hand you over to this guy and then we'll hand you over to that guy. So uh, I, I, do, I, I can't obviously speak for everybody. Um, it is only one 
um, opinion and way of doing it. And some people might think, you know what, well, I actually prefer a linear approach because it's easier to measure. I've got some outcome measures and um, maybe it might afford me a little bit more time on return to train or return to play um, decisions because um, there's a lot of clutter and there's a lot of noise um, when it comes to writing up um, a rehab program when it went in 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 sport, especially in elite sport and professional sport, so that's where I feel um, I'm most comfortable when I'm kind of really challenging athletes when they're at the edge of their physiological and psychological uh, envelope and really pushing there. So um, you've obviously got to try and get them back safely and in a timely and timely fashion. And and rehab has certainly changed dramatically over the last um, few decades, but I'm not sure everybody has changed. And just on that, with your experience working at numerous clubs and with numerous managers, numerous coaches, numerous practitioners, do you have a big impact on on the performance programme of the players? So with you having the knowledge that you've got in terms of injury, in terms of rehabbing, would you have a big impact on like the strength and conditioning programme and the injury prevention programme? And how would you approach that with players? I, I would have, yeah. Well, I, I would have been like, let's say, orchestrating it because... I worked at smaller clubs, right? Um, so I wasn't I wasn't siloed off. So in the bigger clubs, you're going to have, you know, the physio will be siloed maybe to the to to the couch treatment couch, and then you'll have um, I, you can see now that in the bigger clubs you've got a an injury prevention specialist, you've got a, a rehab physio, you've got your SNC coach, you've got your fitness coach. So these guys get siloed off. They probably have a, a huge departmental meeting where they will discuss what's going on and so on and so forth. But in my experience, I've always had a huge input from day one to return to train and return to play with regards to um, their strength and conditioning program. But I guess that's where I've lent on my sports science degree and then my master's in sport and exercise medicine as well. And that kind of curiosity for, well, actually, do you know what? Um, we know about the term about epigenetics where genes can change by an external stimulus and what we do um, and then where can we push that so where we all as we all have a genetic ceiling but I would say that very very few of us are anywhere close to that ceiling and I think it's only right having you on to to talk about some of the common injuries that occur in the game so I've sort of highlighted two for you, for you to go through. And if you could just summarise your approach and your experiences with dealing with these injuries. So first one being being ACL, because I think as a, as an SNC um, as an SNC coach and having sports scientists listening and some technical coach listening, it'd be great to get your views on that and how we can go about working around these injuries and obviously helping to prevent them. But then when they do occur, what we can do and what approach we should take. Okay, well, I guess, look, um, if we talk about um, ACL or so re reconstructed ACLs, um, the first few weeks are literally just to try and get over the effects of the operation. It's, it's huge trauma. It's a lot of surgery. What you don't want and which can be catastrophic is um, infection. Um, you want to make sure that the, the leg regains full extension, so that's really important. And then, you know, um, encouraging normal walking or normal gait pattern and then working through triple flexion, triple extension. With these guys, it's about, um, you know, you're asking, a, you're asking a, 
uh, tendon to do a ligaments job and there's a period of ligamentization which happens over the first 12 weeks um, following surgery. So that's important that the tendon starts to behave like a ligament so it stiffens up a little bit but not too much. And also where the portal holes are from the surgery that they, they fill in a little bit so we don't get this kind of uh, micro movement within the tibia or the femur. Um, and then it comes down to really kind of looking at that athlete and you know, making them strong enough, giving them redundancy. And redundancy is where you 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 over-advantagely stack them physiologically and psychologically to, to tolerate the, the demands of soccer. So running, jumping, turning, twisting, repeated sprints with recovery, some recovery or no recovery. Um, so the, the, the principles, right, behind a rehab program shouldn't change necessarily depending on whether it's an ACL injury or a hamstring injury. Now, you may work a little bit more on landing mechanics when it comes to our single leg efficiency or um, jumping or turning or twisting, possibly with an ACL because you're out for, for quite a, a, a long time. But in effect, you're still trying to, to influence their running performance, their strength and pro, uh, power um, profile. Um, their lumbar pelvic hip stability, their neuromuscular control or dynamic control on one leg. You're always trying to make sure that you've got a multimodal approach so you haven't got this reductionist approach and just looking at one aspect. You're looking at, you know, for example, the specific risks or demands that that player might, might have inherently. So they might have had a previous ACL, they might have had a previous um, hamstring injury but might, which might affect the, um, the rehab. Um, they might be an athlete who's an older athlete, so um, they're a joint and compromised, a load compromised athlete. So what strategies can we put in there? So maybe um, a little bit more time in hydro, maybe, so, uh, you know, you might get their aerobic and anaerobic stimulus done early on on the bike and maybe keep them there for a little bit more. Um, but you're coming down again to the basic reconditioning pr principles of specificity. So you are, it was coined by a guy called Lorm in 1945, um, you are what you do most, you know, so if you want the strength output, put a strength input in. If you want the power output, make sure that you've got a power stimulus going into this guy. Um, and that progressive overload. So if we don't progressively overload the tissues, not only will they plateau, but they'll regress. And this comes back down to rehabilitation science. So you've got the likes of Wolf's Law and Hooke's Law, which basically state that, you know, if you if you apply a, an external stimulus to a, a, an, an object, so a, an external stimulus being, let's say, for example, a power stimulus or a strength stimulus, and the object being connective tissues, so ligaments, tendons, bones, muscles, well, they will change and adapt to the mechanical stress placed upon them. So hence, if I want the strength or power or an aerobic or an anaerobic response, then that's the stimulus I've got to 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 um, input. And again, really, what I'm trying to do, and when I put up the videos and so on and so forth, it's all underpinned by athlete engagement. So all rehabs come down to you know, it's no longer transactional. It's no longer a case of I'm going to give you a sheet, an Excel sheet or a, an A4 sheet at the start of the day. Now you go on, you pop on, and you do your rehab. It's got to be more than that now. You've got to get in the trenches with them. It's got to be fun. It's got to be engaging. There's got to be a huge rationale of the reasons why they're carrying out what they're carrying out and how is it going to help them within their sport. Um, so 
the philosophy for me really was something that we worked an awful lot on. Um, I'm going back probably seven or eight years, maybe longer now. Um, and, you know, because I was asked, I, I did a presentation for, I think it was the the national something, national GP. So it was, it was, it was about 10 years ago, actually. And um, they asked me what my rehab philosophy was, performance rehab philosophy. And uh, I wasn't able to answer it very succinctly. So for the next six months, I remember sitting down with the, with the guys I was working at the time and uh, we went back to the drawing board and it was a little bit kind of scary at the time and it, and it, it was um, a little bit daunting. But we, we came up with a rehabilitation philosophy, which we've obviously changed now and has kind of integrated more into rehabilitation science. But in effect, you know, when you go into rehab following injury in professional or elite sport or, or, or any domain, I guess, you know, my basic objectives are, number one, improve athletic performance or athleticism. Number two, reduce your injury risk for future injury. Number three, make it as engaging and fun and optimal to really kind of carry that player along with you the whole way through. So um, that's what it comes down to really. And no, number four, um, if, it, if, there's, if it will not affect the sport, then it shouldn't be in there. And and to take the other side of that approach, Johnny, what what would be the key things you'd be trying to include in a an, an SNC or a rehab or a prehab program to try and restrict or um, decrease the amount of ACL injuries? Um, okay, so we would do our guys would do an injury risk reduction um, session uh, four days a week. So it would be a Monday session, Tuesday session, Thursday session, Friday session, given that there was, let's say we're talking about a two game week. So a Saturday, Saturday, it's easier to do it this way. Otherwise I'd give you less information. Um, and in that we'd be looking at from a risk reduction point of view. And um, once a week we'd be looking at between eight and 12 minutes where we'd be working at threshold. So, um, that might be at the end of a warm-up. We might be looking at um, getting the guys up to 80% of their maximum heart rate to make sure that we're keeping their aerobic stimulus during the week to where we wanted to be. There would be a speed input <coughs> four days a week. So we might work on linear speed on a Monday. We might work on change of direction speed on a Tuesday. We might work on agility speed on a, on a Thursday. And we might work on repeat sprintability on a Friday. We would then look in the warm-up as well to include um, single leg efficiency <coughs> and some landing mechanics. And then if we did, if we were lucky enough to have two gym sessions, let's say there were squad sessions, most all the lads would be on two gym sessions anyway. We would be looking at three exercises from a strength point of view and then two exercises from a power point of view. Um, and they would be split across the week. So they, so they would do a strength and a power for a PAP. Um, effect on a Tuesday and a Thursday, given a, a Saturday and a Saturday. So again, it it doesn't really differ from um, what's kind of happening in the rehab philosophy because they both should be looking at improving athletic performance. They, sh they both should be looking at reducing injury risk and they both should be engaging the athlete. So again, trying over a six-week period, I'd be honest, we only plan over a, a three to four week period because trying to plan for six weeks in professional football is just ridiculous because, you know, one bad result and you're in on a Sunday, two good results in a row and you're off on a Monday. So I've always thought, right, well, look, let's try to keep the 21 to 28 days when it comes to our um, micro cycles, that's our meso cycles, I should say, and the macro cycle then being the, 
the, the full season. So um, it, it would have all of those in it. So there isn't, so the, the days of, you know, you're going into the gym and you're doing a few, um, let's say, windmills or divers, or you're doing a little bit of landing mechanics, or you're doing a little bit of this and that, that's gone. I mean, injury reduction, athletic performance should be punctuated throughout every day and every session. So if the gaffer is doing, if the gaffer is doing small-sided games on a Tuesday, I know he's probably going to get in, he's going to get in his, um, his change of direction and, his, and, uh, and our agility work. So I'll work on maybe acceleration work or I'll work on maximum velocity or I'll work on repeated sprint ability. Um, or I might work on an aerobic stimulus, so I might do some um, mass running, um, maximum aerobic speed. So I'm, it's always kind of springboarding and open to change and adaptable to whatever the manager says. Ultimately, he's in charge and where the structure and the scaffold around him. That's great, That's great information, that, Johnny. Now, we're, we're fortunate enough to have you presenting at our next network meeting, which is going to be at Notts County, one of your former clubs, obviously, on, on the 22nd of Feb. So can you give just a really brief preview of what you're going to talk about? Okay, so briefly, I'm, go I, I'm, I'm going to use hamstrings to illustrate um, the philosophy around performance rehabilitation and rehabilitation science around performance rehabilitation. And I'm going to go step through step um, of how we incorporate the science. I'm going to show the exercises. And I'm going to show our outcome measures as well, which is really important and um, give a real strong rationale, I hope, as to why we would stand behind the rehabilitation philosophy that we have got here. Um, so it should be very interesting. I, I would definitely um, encourage questions and I'd love to hear of thoughts and, and so on and so forth from other people. Um, but in regards to, you know, really delving into the philosophy of performance rehabilitation and the, um, let's say the journey that I've gone over for the last 17 years, then um, that's what tonight will be about. Oh, that sounds great. Um, and, and just before I let you go, it'll be great to, to draw on your experiences and try and get some tips for younger coaches. So coaches coming into football and into the performance coach field, what would your top advice be for them? Because obviously it's a very populated industry now. There's a, there's a lot of people coming into it. There's a lot of people with ambitions of working and doing work that, like you have done. So what would be your advice to them to go out and, and create opportunities? Uh, are, are these people who haven't worked in football or are just looking for their first opportunity, is it? So somebody's looking for their first club. Yeah, I'd say I'd say partly that, and then other coaches that are looking to progress as well. So a little bit of both. Um, it's really, it's a really good question. It's that good a question um, that I that I struggle with it a little bit because I think um, what you have to okay. So I'll I'll give a I'll give an answer, but it might not be the one you want. Um, I I think resonating with the demands that are going to be on you as a person. Um, if you can kind of, because really you need, you need to be in this for the next 15 years. If you're going to start this being for 15 years, if you're going to have any way of reflecting or have a journey or have memories and have ups and downs and so on and so forth. But in professional football in particular, I mean, it's, it's relentless. It's, it's all time consumed. It's 24 seven. Um, and you have to give up a lot. 
So you've got to give up time and possibly relationships and friends and uh, and and family. So it's got to be, you know, if this is your passion, if there's nothing else that you were meant to do in this life, then I would say absolutely go after it with an absolute vengeance. If you're not sure, you know, take up a part-time role on a Tuesday night or a Thursday night and see how it goes. And, you know, because you'll end up having to give up your Saturdays or Sundays anyway. And, you know, and then you'll get to know a little bit more about the coaches and the coach um, fitness relationship, the, the football um, and uh, coach, the fitness coaches and physios and their relationships. Um, so that's probably how I, how I would start. Uh, I've got I've got a son myself, so I would. The first thing I would tell him uh, it would be, you know, what you have to give up, and if you want to be successful and you want to have, you know, you want to make a difference or leave a legacy, then you're going to you're going to have to be at this for 15 years. You're going to have to drive and drive and drive and change and change and realize that um, being wrong is not a bad thing, um, and 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 just want to learn. No, I think that's, that's some great advice, to be honest. I think that's what a lot of coaches need to hear and they need to be willing to go all in and, and put themselves into situations. So I think that's some top advice. If if the guys have got any questions, Johnny, obviously they're going to have the chance to come and see you speak if they attend our network meeting. But if not, where's the best place for coaches to reach out if they've got any questions or see the work that you do? Uh, I, I Look, I, I guess I post a bit on Twitter and Instagram um, and on Facebook um, under Johnny Wilson uh, Johnny underscore Wilson 5 I think it is um, so yeah so I guess um, any of those social media channels really like are um, I'm up around the Nottingham area um, and I work in I, I, my company is called Nottingham Physio and I, I work in Roco Gym Roco Health Club so um, anybody is more than more than happy to, or I'm more than happy to invite anyone up here and you know spend the day together have a cup of tea and um, chew the fat uh, see a couple of athletes and um, see how it goes hopefully make a video for Twitter or, or Instagram or something as well so that would be pretty cool I, I think that's what's great about following you you see loads of the work you do some coaches don't put too much out but you put absolutely loads out so I do recommend the guys to go and look at your social media and we will put it in the show notes to go and see the work that you do and the, and the research and the opinions and the experiences that you share because I think it's really, really crucial for co coaches to see and um, myself and, and Alan are really looking forward to having you at the, the network meeting and seeing you present and obviously meeting you properly in person so I'm really, really looking forward to that and I do encourage as many coaches to come and join us as possible Friday the 22nd of February we're 6 till 9pm at Notts County and I'll put all the links on for the network meeting in this podcast, but also out on our social media as well. So I'm really looking forward to meeting you there, Johnny. Listen, thank you so much for um, the invite for today. I think the stuff that you guys do is absolutely incredible. Where you get the time and the energy and the drive and then the focus for really kind of looking at you know improvements from a coach's perspective and reflection it's it's phenomenal so uh i'm very i'm very honored and very privileged to be to play a little part in in, in your journey so thank you so much for the invite on on the, the 22nd and i'm really looking forward to it not a problem we're looking forward to having you and i will uh we'll speak to you then thanks ben thanks a lot johnny take care you too Thank you for listening to the episode with Johnny and it was great to 
finally chat with him properly and have him on the show. He's someone that we've followed for a long time and he's a coach that puts out loads of information, um, loads of the work he does with players or has done with players. So it's great to see and hear from him. Um, we really do appreciate the work that he puts out. You can go and follow Johnny on Twitter and Instagram. He's at Johnny Wilson, um, at Johnny underscore Wilson five. And Johnny is spelled J-O-H-N-N-Y underscore Wilson and then the number five. I do recommend that you go and follow him. And obviously Johnny's going to be the presenter at our next network meeting just over a week away now. So we've got a few coaches booked on it already. There are still places available. The event is a free event, and you can come and uh, see Johnny speak for free. All you need to do is go over to Eventbrite or get a link from one of our social media channels and book your place. Um, We're at Notts County, 22nd of February, Friday the 22nd of February, 6 till 9 p.m. And like I said, Johnny's going to speak, but there's going to be loads of chances to meet and speak with other coaches that are involved in football as well. So a really good opportunity for you to grow your network. So please come along. It'd be great to have you there and bring bring friends, other coaches who you may think will benefit from the event as well. We do have, we are looking to plan the next few events um, and get those dates confirmed too. But this is the next one that's going to be available and it, it'll be really good to see Johnny speak as well. Also, if you haven't done so already, go over to the website and check out the community. So we've got some really top information on there now. And over the next few months, there's going to be some great webinars and guides on there too that are coming. Uh, we've got the presentation from our last network meeting, which was from Will Abbott. And Johnny's is also actually going to go on to the, the community too once he's done it on Friday. So head over to footballfitfed.com and click on the community tab at the top. You do get a month free. After that, it's four ninety nine a month, but there's loads of information on there and there's some top coaches involved in the community that you can communicate with um, and ask questions and get some good discussions going as well. So go and check that out. If you don't do already, please go and follow us. We're on Instagram and Twitter at FootballFitFed. Like I said, the website is footballfitfed.com and you can drop us an email, any feedback on the podcast, any recommended guests, um, anything at all it's mail at footballfitfed.com please also go and share the show um, I really appreciate everyone doing it so far the numbers are growing all the time which is great to see please share it put it on your Instagram feed share it on Facebook share it on um, share it on Twitter put a tweet out on Twitter about the show uh, get the episodes out there and also head over to iTunes leave us a review and just put on there a short little comment. What was your favourite show? Who was your favourite guest? And click the five stars for us. That would be much appreciated. I look forward to speaking to you again next week. And the next few shows are some really big shows we've got coming up. Some top guests. So I look forward to bringing them to you.